Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is the 7th of June, 2019, and it is Friday, and I am super pumped. Now, last night when I went to bed, I went to bed late, considering that I had a couple things to take care of with people in other time zones, so I wasn't supposed to be getting enough sleep. I was aiming for three hours. Well, for some reason, while I was like, oh, I was panicking about my alarm, it felt like those three hours were like 10. I woke up with only like, okay, it was like under four hours of sleep, feeling super recharged and ready to go. Um, and my though my tolerance for BS today is like so low. It's like, I cannot tolerate it. So this morning, um, obviously, while I was doing whatever I was doing... I watched for the 4 a.m. drop and it was the most incredible stuff that I've ever seen. So today I just want to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you stuff about James Comey you never even knew and I'm going to demonstrate it. And we're going to revisit Plame, we're going to revisit Scooter Libby with it. And we're going to talk about what James Comey did before He was Deputy Attorney General before he was part of the Southern District of New York. I'm going to tell you exactly what SDNY really was and maybe still is. So first off, the first thing I saw in my feed that went out yesterday and I missed it was from David Farnthold. And he's saying, new, we got leaked documents detailing 1,200 different stays at Donald Trump's hotel. Here's the guest who stayed the longest, a sheikh who wants to be president of Iraq and who wants the U.S. to strike Iran. He spent 26 nights in a suite. Now, see, this is just what irresponsible reporting is, period. The fastest way for someone to deal and, uh, you know, in one blow, take that out is you're an idiot. You have no idea how shakes and, you know, uh, crown princes and sultans function. Just so you guys know, all these Arabian princes and shakes, they rent, they buy 
hotel rooms like on a six month or one year basis like it's always there for them so like if they travel to London a lot or Chicago or DC or Athens or Rome they have a room they don't have to look for it they have the room because they picked it these are people that have solid gold toilets they're not the type of person that's going to hop on a plane they hop on their jet they're not the type of person that's going to be like oh check me in and uh you know here's your room key no it's going to be decorated the way they want it it's going to have the stuff they want and it's going to be closed off to anyone to be in there except for them for a long period of time now oh they stayed at trump hotels yeah they would because if i owned a solid gold toilet i would only be staying at trump hotels because they're damn awesome so this is how you can parse fake news but here's where the problem came in today We had early in the morning, Adam Schiff retweeting that article and that statement saying, no person holding any office of profit or trust shall without the consent of Congress accept any present emolument. What the seriously uh, of any kind from a king, prince, blah, blah, blah. Constitution does not apply to payments at Trump hotels. Feckless GOP. What? Now, you know, the fact that he's saying things like this, this is where I got mad. And I'm like, dude, what? First of all, just so you know, parentheses right here. What we're going to talk about, James Comey, I'm going to tell you how him and Schiff were classmates. We'll talk about that, you know, later on. Let's go with the current events. So, you know, my concern is, okay, so he's saying because he's a businessman with hotels, hotels that are so exclusive and so luxury and so rich that kings, princes, you know, anyone with solid gold toilets and whatnot – want to stay there that that's you know the with the emolument emolument closes clauses sorry um i shouldn't chew gum and talk (laughs) so that's the thing this is where they're what they're doing they're oh they're grasping for straws because the thing is what he doesn't realize is that every single one of us out there right now is probing them FOIA requests are flying open record acts requests state level are flying they're done I mean Schiff is gonna have to explain how every single Democrat is a multi-millionaire I mean how does Pelosi end up as a public servant right being the largest individual shareholder like she can give banks that have institutional interests in Visa, a run for their money. She's got over $111 million worth of stock of Visa. And get their yapping? Because his hotels are preferred by those that have the money and the taste? Like, it's like, I'm super done. Then I stumble upon this thread from Twitter Safety. Pointing out all these things like you can't do this, you can't do that, don't election meddle, don't do this. And I'm thinking, but you're the one election meddling. Do the rules apply to you? You can't, you know, threaten violence or say, you know, kill this person. Then why is Bette Midler still there? The other day she just tweeted out, oh, maybe someone can give Donald Trump the shiv. Oh, I meant shove. Why is she still on Twitter? This is insane. And you know, they only put it down there. So that way they can say, well, we kind of told you. And you're like, Well, that's kind of obfuscated and doesn't really apply. Does it apply to the left? Does it apply to your guys? I don't think so. 
So my tolerance level for that is no, no, no. Now, so as I was going through the news during my little breaks in the morning, um, doing what I was doing with other time zones, uh, I was watching like videos, news, and my husband says I look like the kid from Ender's Game when I'm in my home studio slash office. I have like one screen and it's got like 50 open screens in it. So I'm watching all these videos and I notice something, you know, that I've been noticing and I've been saying it and I've called out to have a healthcare check on Pelosi before. But it was extremely startling because it reminded me of some research that I had done. So my expertise is mitochondria, okay? And mitochondria, like I've said before on my show, are uh, batteries of your cell. They're independent of our, um, uh, you know, phenotypical DNA. And, you know, it's... um. It's separate because we in our bodies we have two DNAs, mitochondrial and then your traditional, as you know it, DNA. Well, so my my most of my research and how I I, I, I in you know came to discover what I discovered was based on mitochondria. Like I went to the Mitochondrial Institute in Ohio. Uh, you know, I attended different research labs that were doing things. So there was a, a, a whole year that I took where I worked with the spinal cord injury clinics and the brain clinics. Now, why? Because the only reason people, you know, they wanted to determine why we have garbage when there's injury, meaning just so you guys understand, So let's go to the brain so I don't get involved with the spine. So the six months that I did on the brain, here's the deal. Say you have a stroke, right? I want you to imagine it like a water hose. So in that water hose, this rock goes in there and it blocks it, right? And suddenly there's no water flowing through that end part of the hose. Now in that end part of the hose, there are still mitochondria and they are dependent on the oxygen because they need that to produce energy so that the cells that make up that blood vessel, which is the hose and whatever else can, um, you know, exist and work and function. So obviously people know that, you know, if you get blocked, like even if you cut your blood circulation, it turns black, necrosis, you, you know, it's done. Well, In stroke victims, it blocks sometimes just temporarily. And that block isn't actually the cause of problems, you know, on in stroke patients. It's actually when the blood starts to flow again. Because it comes in so quick that those mitochondria that were just hanging out idly and like, you know, what's going on here? We're kind of dying. Suddenly they get overwhelmed and they create something that's um, acronymed as no-go. It's scarring. Like there is no, um, you know, people are researching how to clean it up because that's also something that causes, you know, permanent spinal injury. I mean, I, I, I participated in the Christopher Reeves thing. I put in my thing, you know, it wasn't really realistic, but it did, it does work, which is, you know, we obviously know that people can't walk, um, after spinal cord injury, not so much because of the reperfusion or whatever, but it's the secondary immune response that um, hinders our ability to regrow spine because you could regrow your spine, but our secondary response, like the immune cells that come in, participate with the mitochondria to create that scar, that no-go, just so you understand. So my idea was in order to stop the secondary 
um, infiltration of our immune cells was to put the person in a zero gravity chamber because the secondary immune response, um, they go through the cells and enter the area, uh, you know, where the injury is and they're going to try to go help, right? Because that's what their job is to go help and clean up the mess. But instead they create the scar. Well, they go help with the aid of gravity. They use diapetesis. So it's, it's like a mechanism how they go through each cell and, of course, it's not like every ambulance can be a portable zero G thing, but maybe in the future it can. And that's my idea. And I put it out there, uh, but it's just not feasible to have a zero gravity um, ambulance to stick people in there uh, to ensure that we give them time to heal before the secondary active inflammation. So anyway, so with the brain. What I focused on was Broca's area. That's a part in the frontal lobe uh, that has to do with speech, comprehension, expression. Now, what I've noticed over time with Nancy Pelosi, and I could have put it down, sometimes it could have been just like a physical attribute that, you know, like her dentures were not good or she was replacing them or something. Uh, But I noticed something very, very alarming. And I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not see it? She has express, uh, expressive aphasia. So, you know, the way she talks is in a manner that um, indicates that she has damage in that area of the brain. Now, that can happen for many things, okay? It can happen from stroke. It can happen from, uh, you know, traumatic brain injury. Uh, it can happen from an immune response. It can happen due to Alzheimer's. There's Tons of reasons why we can have this. But one thing is for sure that we can see that she has non-fluent speech and it comes in waves, okay? Because there's some times that she has these lucid moments where she's talking and she can put out two phrases and then she kind of just, it's choppy after that. So, you know, she has difficulty sometimes articulating. Uh, She has indeed like you, you see that it's non-fluent. You can see it. It's brusque. It's tumulted. You know, it's, it's just, it's a hot mess. So, and sometimes it's telegraphic in nature. And for me seeing that I was like, all right, is somebody doing something? Because if I'm seeing it from my office, from my home, you know, what about the people in the house? What about the people in the Senate? Can they not see that this woman has a problem? Now, look, I don't like Pelosi's policy. She's dirty as they come. Her containers in January got her in a lot of trouble. She's in a lot of trouble, a lot of legal trouble. And the more we're probing, the more we're finding that she's going to be in even more trouble. Remember, in the past, she was in trouble. And the STOP Act was created because of the trouble Pelosi was with this whole visa at the time IPO debacle. Okay? So the the concern that I have is that no one has said something. So I took the initiative, you know, I'm not a neurologist. But I was like, listen, man, I did a lot of research. I know, you know, I know molecular biology inside out. I know signaling pathways, you name it. I know it. This is like my niche. And I'm telling you that since I've worked there, you know, studying my aspect, I worked really, uh, you know, six whole months with this team where they were focusing on, you know, the different levels of aphasia. And I was focusing on the more, um, 
you know, how it's happening, the mechanisms. So I know this inside out and the symptoms are, she's have, she has either one or all of them, depending on how she is, which means that she's probably attending some form of speech therapy. If, you know, she suffers from this, you know, it could just be really bad dentures. I don't know, which I highly doubt because I'll play a clip for you. That was the, uh, straw, that broke the camel's back. Is that right? Okay. So this was when she was down by the border. I, I want you to listen to what she's saying. And this has not been edited. This is completely, you know, whatever. And the person who tweeted it out is Cajun underscore chick underscore 25. Now she was like, what is the butterfly sanctuary? That's a whole other story. That's by the border. And they're trying to not allow us to build a wall through a whole span claiming that it's a sanctuary for butterflies. It's another thing like the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. uh, And uh, it's the same people. Like the people that protested for the Dakota Access Pipeline up in North Dakota, they're down there advocating for this whole section and I don't know why that people can't drill they can't go underground they're not supposed to be because it's a butterfly sanctuary which is super creepy and makes you even you know more curious as to uh what's going on there uh, you know in that stretch of land that you don't want us touching it but Pelosi's the concern I want you guys to take a listen to this I love coming here in this week that we observe the birth of our president in particular George Uh, our founding father and our founding mother, George Washington and Martha Washington. We followed his lead on protecting what the butterfly sanctuary, the knowledge that he has of the region, being a border uh, uh, member of Congress. And what that meant was we would have uh, hundreds of billions, excuse me, hundreds of millions of dollars. And we had the uh, opportunity to meet with the David Higgerson, the field director of field uh, for uh, the uh, CPB detection. detection. Uh, that constitution begins with the beautiful preamble to the constitution, and the very first words at the end of the pre- at the following the preamble are Article One, the legislative branch. But that's what will happen on Monday. Mr. Castro's resolution will go to the Rules Committee. Again, I thank. I call my friend here, my colleague, Mr. Mr. Quayer, and now it's more immigra- there's uh, so much more immigration uh, uh, needs here. That helps the Border Patrol because it, th- this isn't what their job was before. Okay, I feel really bad watching this. I'm going to just retweet it on my Twitter. If you guys are on Twitter, it's Tori, uh, T-O-R-E underscore says. I feel really bad for her. But uh, the, the, the thing that I noticed when I wrote this letter, I had this in mind, is that I think that she may be suffering from seizures because she has bouts of lucidity and, and some not. And that's consistent with people that have issues with seizures. Now, I'm not trying to ouster. I'm not trying trying to violate her privacy. I'm in no way her physician or anything like that. Uh, these are just observations I'm making. And for me, besides the fact that I do not like her, for me, it's a big concern. And it should be a big concern for everyone because she is third in line to the presidency. Something happens to our president and then to our vice president, she's president. That's number one. So that's a matter of national security. And then the other thing is the integrity of the house, 
Now, one can say that the staffers can be running things for her and writing things because I like, you know, curiously enough, because watching the other people that were examining patients, you know, like uh, through the physiology and executing these uh, tests of aphasia to them, uh, you know, there's writing portions, too. So she may have uh, issues in writing out words or them coming out wrong or comprehending some words written in some face because it's it, it her responses are not so much to hinder what she says, you know, like if I take a long pause or I stutter, it's because I, I know that I have to be careful with what I say. Hers is, listen to this, okay, how she cuts off speech so it makes sense. I'll play a, the clip from, um, where is it here? Let me play this clip. And she sounds pretty lucid, but you'll see that she chops the topic off and goes to the next one, and she's forgotten what she's talking about. And you can literally observe that. I'm not feeling any pressure. And let me just address that. I see in some metropolitan journals and on some TV <clears throat> that we are trying to find our way or unsure, but make no mistake. We know exactly what path we're on. We know exactly what actions we need to take. And while that may take more time than some people want it to take, I respect their impatience. It's a beautiful thing, and it's important uh, to our country. She respects their impatience, and she said, and just to say, you see, she cut off and jumped off to another topic. This is, and even in this very lucid conversation she had uh, with D-Dates, two minutes, you can hear how she chops off, and then it seems like she forgot what she was talking about, um, even though she was trying to make sense. Being here for the 75th anniversary reminds us that we have an obligation uh, to build a, fu- a future with a peace worthy of the sacrifice that our veterans made then and that our veterans make all the time. We have to stay close to our vets and their families, and that's such an inspiration. It gives us a, a, a challenge to do better. I'm really proud that we have, I think, the largest uh, congressional delegation interna- for international travel ever Uh, for this visit here. We have nearly 60 from the House and around 20 from the United States Senate bipartisan delegations. And our delegation is one-third of them are veterans, are veterans. So, again, it is uh, pretty exciting to be able to acknowledge what happened then uh, with uh, uh, the ability to thank uh, those who have more recently fought for our freedoms. We come with gratitude we come prayerfully, we come patriotically to say to these people, you will never be forgotten. And uh, we will always try to live up to the, uh, the standards that you fought for. The unity that we had at that time to defeat, actually Here's where to she goes defend off script. civilization. There was a lot at stake in that war. And people came together, all different kinds, of, you know, from different uh, countries in Europe, and they were very different from each other at the time. There was no European Union. So hopefully uh, a, a renewed spirit of, uh, of collaboration and recognition of our dependence on each other. My favorite quote, you know, we, we always talk about uh, John F. Kennedy in his speech to citizens of America, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. The very next line in that speech, which I saw in person as a student, 
The very next line in this says, to the citizens of the world, ask not what America can do for you, but what we can do working together for the freedom of mankind. Okay, so that's her scripted and looking at the same directions. Here's where she's not scripting. She's not reading much. And she's, you know, and she's really not making sense. This is the most recent one, which indicates that she has bouts of lucidity and that she's able to read and reiterate, but she's unable to find her own thought and speak. Listen to this. We went there. We went there next. Landed at Normandy, you climbed the, the walls, the hills, and all the rest, and you didn't get a chance to go home. That was eight, eight, five years ago when we went there. I was. Our purpose is to be thanking the veterans, not to attend an event, but to thank the veterans. So, and they were just so fabulous and so courageous. So this was five years ago. So if they were 18, 19 at the time, they're around nine, or 20, they're around. 89, Okay, guys, did you see that? I mean, I'm, 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 I'm seriously concerned about the integrity of our house now. And I wrote this letter uh, to my congressman and I sent it to the um, House Minority Leader. I also sent it to a bunch of other senators and congressmen. And uh, this is concerning. So if you guys agree with it, I've pinned it to my Twitter account at uh, Tori underscore says. I've shared it on Facebook as well. Um, because this is, this is concerning. Okay. We have to say this is very concerning. You would not want someone that has seizures, which, oh, and by the way, the majority of patients that suffer from any, uh, neurodegeneration in that area also suffer from hallucinations, schizophrenia, etc. So, you know, we need a good healthcare check because her behavior, um, and I, I, I don't want to say behavior. The way she's speaking indicates that she's suffering from some ailment. Okay, so after this break, we'll talk a f- little bit more about current events and get to the meat of what the topic of today is, and that's Comey. And James, if you're listening, grab your popcorn. I don't know if you recognize my voice. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. 
In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 800 Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Hey, welcome back to the Tory Says Show, guys. Okay, so over the break, and I forgot to mention it, and a cheeseball friend of mine who's a journalist uh, texted me. He was like, hey, you forgot to say this, and that's true, uh, because I'm not practicing what I'm directing and preaching, right? Which is what? When we want to see what's going on and what's to come, we pay attention to who? What the president tells us. And up until now, he's never given Nancy Pelosi a nickname. Right. Correct. He's, he never has given Nancy Pelosi a nickname. So what I want to do is get the clip and I'm pretty sure I have it somewhere and I don't have it somewhere. How horrible. Uh, where President Trump gives Nancy a nickname. It's nervous Nancy. Pretty weird, right? Nervous, because I said nervous system. She has a problem with it. I'm just saying that this observation, for me, it was startling because, you know, in all my little windows, I saw various videos and I could see times that you can tell she probably had time for speech therapy and other times that she didn't. Because people that suffer from this have speech therapy to learn how to control their, uh, you know, their uh, frustration muscles because they're still seeking for the word. And while they're seeking for the word so for example you know I have a little bit of ADD right but uh, say for example you're trying to talk about a cup of water 
and you're like, yeah, the cup of water that has a, and you want to say straw and you can't remember the word straw. So then you go just, yeah. So when we're looking for this cup, you change it and you forget about the word and then you don't even know why you were talking about the cup of water. This is what happens when you have expressive aphasia. You get so distracted trying to find the word that it's kind of like stuttering. You know, it's, but it's more severe, of course. Uh, protein collections, you name it, whatever. So on that note, if you guys agree with the letter that I've put forward, I would urge you to, you know, you could take the picture down and email it to your, uh, you know, senator, congressperson, uh, you know, tweet it at them, retweet it, because the bottom line is we as citizens have the right to ask to ensure have the right to ensure that the people that are in such high positions have all their mental faculties together. And I don't mean to dog her. I mean, if she's sick, I get it. But uh, national security is on the line. I'm not going to be nice to you uh, on that. You're not capable. Kind of like if you, you know, break your leg, you know, you're not going to be, you know, a, a runner. It's simple. You know, if you have diabetes, you can't get into the military. If you have any, you know, if she can't work, she can't work, period. Done. So shifting uh, a little bit on the gears here. I noticed a trend last night with, um, you know, the Arkansas Senate uh, state legislator who was murdered and then boom, uh, you know, within 48 hours, not only uh, she had been found dead, but also a GOP state senator uh, in Oklahoma. And not only that, two officers in New York City committed suicide, shot in the head, so I did a little bit of homework and, uh, those PD officers actually were canvassing and were part of the outer orbit of the team for the Wiener laptop. I am waiting on confirmation. So this is just hearsay that I'm putting it out. So I'm still working on this. So that's interesting. And then it comes up that both, um, himself and Linda Collins were working uh, with uh, the Department uh, of Health and Human Services, Homeland Security um, together because there's um, $27 million uh, missing from Child Protective Services. And this isn't something startling. In my state, during the audit to HHS, we found millions of dollars missing in the state of North Dakota. And guess what? It was all missing on unaccompanied migrant minors, like kids that were importing from like Somalia or whatever with no parents and raising them on our tax dollar. And it had to do with adoptions. There was one case. It's on the North Dakota State Auditor page. I mean, this should have made nationwide news. Because here's the deal. Someone was getting fees for adopting a kid and they were supposed to be getting something like $1,500 a month, but instead they were paying them $51,000 a month and nobody saw that this one, you know, source or avenue or person or family, if they are entity, let's say was getting $51,000 for children. And not only that, um, Senator Hoven had done something super crazy. 
Aside from the fact that he signed up the state of North Dakota to be importing unaccompanied minors from other countries, right? He also handed the reins over for adoption to Lutheran Social Services, where their primary business, and they're the ones that also brought Ilhan Omar, is to import refugees. And so they're in charge of regular adoptions and foster care. And here's the thing. They have to give like, you know, um, statements where they state, uh, we got so many kids, we got rid of so many kids, so many kids aged out. Dude, they weren't even providing that information to HHS and they were still collecting money. And what's weird is they were collecting money from what I see to amount, let's say, figuratively speaking, for a hundred kids, but on the books, they only had 20. So it's like, what's going on here? So we have to pay attention because we're seeing these deaths. We're seeing connections with these deaths, with Clintons, with children missing. So it's kind of weird. And I thought I would mention it. Now, uh, Another thing that I wanted to talk about was General Flynn. So I mentioned it a little bit yesterday, uh, but I've been talking about General Flynn for like forever because he's my general. I mean, he is a great person. This is why I run his advertisement. And if you guys can donate to his uh, fund, that would be great. Uh, Red State Talk Radio supports our general. I told you guys in November that General Flynn will not be sentenced in March and that there was going to be a pushback. Now, I said this and, you know, people could say, all right, Tori, sure. Where's your evidence? I, I don't need it. I just tell you guys I have a crystal ball because, you know, then you reveal sources, right? So then when March rolled around and I was right again and it got pushed back, I said, He's not going to be sentenced. He's going to withdraw his plea and he's done because he did nothing wrong. This was all part of it. See, the only time that you're trapped, you know, perjury trap is where they have information or they manufacture information and then you uh, contradict the information that that they say is information. Make sense? We had a lot of people speculating, oh my gosh, treasonous. He was talking with Russia. I've already been through that. He was a quasi official during the transition period. He could have went to Russia, had dinner with them, sat in a hot bath with them, negotiated with them, and it's still not treason because he's working in his capacity as a quasi official for the incoming administration. Okay. And everybody knows that. And that was just BS. It was fluff. Kind of like the thing that I saw with shift this morning saying, oh my God, look, shakes are staying at Trump hotels. Yeah. Cause they're that awesome. It has nothing to do with like corruption or, you know, uh, taking bribes. So this is what they do. They take words out of context. They try to dress up a pig, you know, put on some lipstick, even throw on a wig and idiots will see it for whatever they pose it as but it's still a pig it's a nothing burger so general flynn is fine and this is why there's no need for us to discuss things like oh the fisa warrants are coming out and what's going to be in there if you want to see what's in there i published an article in 2018 with big league politics you can go to bigleaguepolitics.com backslash author backslash tory and i tell it's literally titled titled uh what we're gonna find in the fisa declassification i'm already telling you it so you could just go see it um 
So there's no big deal there. The only thing is that what those FISA D-class are going to do is substantiate a case to be put against Barack Hussein Obama because he is the one that ordered all this stuff to happen, okay? He is the one that got it done. But the thing is, today, and I hope James is listening, you're going to see that this isn't the first time something like this has happened. I mean, they're very smart. They are very smart. And they have people everywhere. I think I've said it before, that it's not so much being made, uh, you know, that you're, you know, of clandestine nature. It's more so your methods, right? It's kind of like, you know, back in the day in 2002 when Plame was made that she was, you know, a clandestine agent for the CIA, the world flipped out. Oh my gosh, you unmasked her. So who cares? She's just not going to work in that capacity again. Just stick her on a desk job. That's what happens. When you're exposed, it's like, oh, well, I guess I got to find another career. Maybe I'll work as a FSO, which is a foreign service officer, or, you know, I'll, you know, re-educate myself and go back to school and do something completely different to what I've been doing. Like, I don't know, maybe go to med school or law school or cosmetology school or just sit at home and raise children or get a lot of dogs. You just can't be clandestine anymore because your face is out there and your name is out there, period. It's not that big of a deal. It is a big of a deal in the sense that a lot of money was invested to conceal your identity and, um, you know, missions that you've done. And she was a specialist in energy of Africa and the Middle East. Now, oh, how do I start this topic? This is like really, this is so juicy, you guys. Okay, so I tweeted out a picture. And James, if you're listening, you have to remember that coffee shop. That is the Starbucks from 60 Wall. I think I should start there. 60 Wall Street. Huge building. Huge building. That building was purchased by Deutsche Bank in the early 2000s. And Deutsche Bank moved in there at the, you know, and filled up all the offices. At the time, uh, the former, former CEO of uh, Deutsche Bank was working in institutional investing. Uh, he, he is a very, very smart guy. Um, I actually, um, I know him. So Jane is a good guy. He really liked me. Uh, you know, we, uh, kind of worked together. I learned things from him. He was into institutional investing. Uh, so in 2001, I had come to the United States again because I was working overseas uh, to get my SEC licensing. Uh, so that's like... Um, because it was needed for some job thing that I was doing. And that's kind of like what stockbrokers get. So I got my Series 7, my Series 63, and my Series 24. So I kind of trained with them. And um, and then later on, he actually went to London uh, as CEO of Deutsche Bank. Well, Comey used to hang out in that area too. See, Comey, after college, you know, nobody really knows what Comey did. It's kind of a blank page. 
And I mentioned this a few weeks ago about Adam Schiff too. Kind of a blank page. Kind of like how I mentioned before anyone else knew that Attorney General Barr rolled out of school and rolled into the CIA and then suddenly he's like sitting with Noriega having drinks and the right-hand man for Bush 41 when Bush 41 was president, uh, vice president, but we all know he was running that presidency, right? He was a three-term president. Anyway, so Comey got training. Comey and Schiff actually crossed paths in class too. Sixty Wall used to be what J.P. Morgan chases, but you know it's a huge building, huge building. Lots of people are there, um, and graduates from Camp Peary back then, and some other camps down in Texas that are not that I'm not able to mention well no I can but no I don't want to and some other ones around the states you know would come up to 60 wall Mm. well Comey was up there for a short stint he was actually a very um uh, you know we didn't interact don't get me wrong uh but we were in the same orbit you know because I was at that building it was at the time that uh Christmas of um, 2001 and I was finishing up uh, and you know flying out that he was put in his holding capacity so I want to tell you guys how they create these super spies like I said it could be uh, a Toys R R Us manager Super spies are created by, first of all, training them, right? And in their niche and then training them for like a real life job. So if they went to law school, they're obviously going to act like lawyers. So they usually put them in like state's attorney's positions, you know, and depending on which uh, coast they want them on, they're usually going to be in holding patterns out in LA, San Francisco, or in holding bays like uh, Southern District of New York and Eastern District of New York. Uh, Those are the usual common ones. And those ones feed Senate, Congress, and federal agencies. And I'll explain what that means by walking you through Comey's career. So as Comey got his training, uh, you know, uh, he was in that vicinity to get ready to become an attorney at the start of the year with the Southern District of New York. So he suddenly became an attorney at the Southern District of New York. What happened in January? Well, it was Christmas time slash January, okay? That something happened. Specifically, it broke on the news in January, but it had happened a little bit before that. What happened was news broke that Plame, who was um, a clandestine, agent that she was unmasked as a clandestine agent. It was almost simultaneous that this play plame affair happened as Comey entered into that holding pattern. And I'll tell you why. So 
in order to go to a federal position or to go to Senate or Congress or state Senate or whatever, right? You go into these holding bays. Sometimes there are state legislation too, where you sit in as well. So what happens is you go into these holding bays so that way you have a history and, you know, recommendations and stuff like that. Okay. So Comey walks in and works as a United States attorney for the Southern District of New York simultaneously all like at the same time that this plame thing happened. And this is why this plame thing, this unmasking her was a fix. Why was it a fix? They wanted Bush. They wanted to take control of Bush. And I'll explain. So just so you know, Comey isn't your regular FBI agent lawyer that he pushes you off to be. Come on, guys. He's like Strzok. Strzok was a double player. He wasn't FBI. He was CIA. This is why I said, out of all the intelligence agency, the most corrupt one was the CIA because the creation of the CIA was a huge problem. And this is why the NRO was created to remedy. The NRO that Eisenhower created was a remedy to the horrid creation of the CIA because the CIA actually plants people in other federal agencies and you don't know that they're, they're clandestine agents. So, you know, like Barr, I mean, now he says that he works with intelligence. I mean, he's been in 50 years and this is why he's qualified to take the reins of declassifying, et cetera, et cetera, more relaxed. But how would you feel to know that your FBI director or your deputy attorney general was a clandestine agent? That's a problem for you, right? So Comey sits in that holding bay to be visible in January of 2002. And at the same time, this whole plame affair started. This whole plame affair started and everyone's like, oh my gosh, she was unmasked. Oh my God, this happened. Oh my gosh. You know, so we're starting. So here, 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 here's how it went down. So they say that in February, even though in January there was chatter, that Joseph Wilson, who was an FSO, like he was like a former U.S. ambassador, he asked, uh, he was asked by Bush to travel to Niger, um, to check out intelligence information, uh, that, uh, you know, Niger was selling yellow cake uranium to Iraq in the late 1990s for nuclear weapons. Remember the weapons of mass destruction that they kept saying why we invaded Iraq. All right, here's where we go. So, um, that's what happened in 2002. He asked to go. Now, in 2003, uh, in the State of the Union address, uh, Bush had said that the British government gave them intelligence that Saddam Hussein found significant quantities of uranium from Africa. And we all know who has all the uranium around there. It's Iran, right? Okay, so it's not Africa, it's Iran. Are you paying attention? So um, the thing is... Bush makes this statement that the British intelligence has provided us this. You, you know, Tony Blair has gotten the brunt of this mass destruction thing. I mean, historically. But, you know, Bush doesn't say, oh, our intelligence agencies say different. Because 
we weren't supposed to go into Iraq because at that time the plan was set how to maneuver it. So the CIA was very unhappy with Bush. Very, very unhappy. How dare you? But they already had Comey in place. Okay? So he was already working at SDNY, making himself visible. So that summer where Comey's been in SDNY for like a full year and some months, uh, Wilson, the former U.S. ambassador uh, who asked to check out if, you know, that intelligence about Niger having, uh, you know, uh, uranium was solid, wrote a New York Times opinion piece. Don't they all, don't all these corrupt clowns write opinion pieces? And so he writes this and he says that he can't verify that Niger sold the uranium to Iraq. That's because it didn't happen because it was Iran. But anyway, and they didn't have weapons of mass destruction. They were buying just like everybody else was on the open market. So this was all kind of orchestrated in a very clandestine way. In the meantime, they had their backup card, Comey, waiting for his turn. So here's where the media kicks in, the fake news, the partners. Novak, who was um, a writer, he identified that Joseph Wilson is the husband of Valerie Plain and that she is a clandestine operate for the CIA of weapons of mass destruction. Her, for, her forte, along with Comey's, just so y'all know, was Iran, was um, uh, weapons distribution, was um, reconnaissance of weapons. And, you know, you can see that and reinforce that from the supposed private job Comey did when he left uh, government work before he came back. Because remember, he left as deputy attorney general. Oh, which he was also acting. We'll get to that after the break um, for a period of time before he came back. Okay. And where did he go? Lockheed Martin, where they were what? Okay. And Raytheon. And okay. Are you getting it now? All right. So there we are where we're like, this is all happening in the summer. It's blowing up. Bush doesn't know if he's coming or going. And then Cooper writes um, with time that government officials told him that, you know, um, uh, Wilson, this uh, U- former U.S. ambassador, is the CIA that's moder- m- monitoring the weapons of mass destruction. So then another article comes out saying it on the July 21st issue. Now, I want to tell you guys something. Throughout all this investigation, it was determined that the unmasking actually happened in 2002, had nothing to do with the article. The article was planted. And this is why you have to think to yourself. Bush already commuted the sentence of Scooter Libby. Why did President Trump pardon him too? I'm, I'm, Pointing this out because it's very important. And James, if you're listening, I know it really sucks because you're in a lot of trouble because you should have known from the moment that President Trump pardoned Scooter Libby that you were in deep, deep trouble. Now, after the break, we'll continue so I can unravel and show you how Comey slotted himself in in this administration as well. I'll see you all in a few.
town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Tory Says Show. This is the last hour of the show, and I just want to recap. Like I told you, and Schiff included, right, because they were classmates when they were out in Camp Peary, uh, Comey was a clandestine agent of the CIA, and he was activated to go visible in a federal position uh, due to his stature because, you know, you have to look the part. You have to have the um, the education that they require to substantiate the position that they're going to put you forward for. Right. And then they put you into a position to train you so that it looks like you know what you're doing. I mean, how many lawyers do you know, go to the Southern district of New York, work there for about a year and a half and then get promoted to deputy attorney general. And then, you know, a couple months into that, a couple days into that job, they become acting attorney general of the United States. You got to be dumb if you think everybody can do that. Okay. Let's be clear. So again, Comey knew he was done the minute Scooter Libby was pardoned. He should have (laughs) known. And so why do I say this? Bush had already commuted a sentence. President Trump totally pardoned him. And it, and he should have because Scooter Libby was completely the fall guy so that they can take control of the White House. And who is they? The fourth unelected branch of the government. Bush 41 was really dumb. We all know this. He was one of the dumbest presidents I had ever met. I kid you not. The guy was thick as a brick. You know, he reminded me of curious George, the Curious George monkey too. And, you know, it, it was as if he was dense. Like dense, like, you know, you he'd be told something and it's like, you know, it was empty in there. And if he moved his head, you'd probably hear a rattle. It's like he wasn't on it. He was on it on his own stuff, like when he initiated stuff. But when people came to him, he was kind of like... He just existed like a plant. He was just like there. So <laughs> they needed control because, you know, 9-11 happened and that was their opportunity to, gar- to, to gain control over the United States population because through this horrific event, people, like I said, out of fear didn't even think twice before forfeiting their rights 
to privacy, to everything under the sun. Uh, suddenly all of these, you know, uh, RFPs were going out, uh, biometrics being collected, phone lines being tapped, uh, FBI face services for the first time was created is, is, as, a, as an idea in a think tank. Uh, Private employers uh, would have contracts with the CIA. So if they got your, like, I don't know, fingerprint, because uh, for some places that I've been and I worked, uh, going into the building, you know, like Canary Wharf, I, I worked in that building for a bit, like for a project, right? So to enter the elevator place, you'd use your handprint or your thumbprint or a card. So for that example, they can take that biometric information, put it with your name, and then they would give it to the federal government. Well, specifically FBI slash CIA. Because the lines between the CIA and FBI are very blurred. Very blurred. And it's evident there. But you don't see all the clandestines you have in Congress, in the Senate, at the Department of Energy, the Department of Treasury, the Secretary of State. One name is Mark Straw. S-T-R-O-H. I say it again. You know, this is why Pompeo sometimes feel like he has to wear galoshes to walk around in the State Department from all the leaks. He has to be more careful, right? I know he is. He's way smarter than all of us. Okay. Totally love Pompeo. But this is where they plant them. Everywhere. Air marshals. Airline executives, Silicon Valley executives, media. So where I left it off is, is that, so we had this article drop in 2003 and that was when Comey had completed a whole year at the SDNY, right? Whole year. So now he was established. Okay. And it was again, the New York times. Doesn't the New York times always have all these dubious publications weren't they almost you know they taken to trial and they were put in prison and you know because they were in contempt because they wouldn't tell and they didn't want to give sources and this all happened here with the flame affair okay so we had the new york times again at the center of all this garbage the failing new york times have this article out and then Novak who wrote with a bunch of newspapers right and uh, publications through time puts out and identifies that um, the the former U.S. ambassador who had written that article early in the year um, that opinion piece not earlier in the year like a couple weeks before he wrote that thing in time actually um, you know he identifies that his wife Valerie Plame was a clandestine agent and monitored uh, weapons of mass destruction. And he said that two senior administration officials were his sources. So then time.com, Matthew Cooper writes it and it's like this whole thing. And then an article, another one comes out. So in the month of July, there was like fireworks going on that she was unmasked. Oh, the panic. We can't have this going on after 9-11. So that happened in July. So then fast forward to like almost October and then suddenly the Justice Department tells the White House um, 
the lawyer at the time was Gonzalez, that it has opened up an investigation uh, to unauthorized disclosures concerning the identity of an undercover CIA employee. So unmasking, basically, and saying that we're looking into the White House leaking this information. Are you getting it? This is how they penetrate. Okay, they penetrate by saying, well, you know, the media says this, the media did that. So we're going to go poke about here. So that's what they did. And so even Bush, you know, when this was announced and it was horrible for him, I mean, imagine he was up for reelection, right? Um, 9-11 had happened under his watch. This is like 2003 entering into 2004. And he's like, look, if anyone in my administration did it, dude, they're fired. You know, uh, this is horrible. So anyway, so uh, to fast forward, you guys, suddenly Comey enters the picture. Okay. Comey suddenly becomes deputy attorney general. He becomes deputy attorney general like a week, right? A week. Um, Okay, so he becomes deputy attorney general on... um, So this is where it gets creepy, right? And this is where they mess up. So he becomes attorney general right before Ashcroft becomes sick. Okay, so he goes in and he's uh, appointed as deputy attorney general and then Ashcroft gets sick and goes to the hospital. Right. So immediately within a week in the job, and this is a guy that didn't have any other experience and federal government and working for a year and, you know, almost two years, right? He was two years shy a month on the books working for the Southern District of New York does not qualify someone to be acting attorney general of the United States. Now, does it? I mean, look at the stink they kicked up for Matthew Whitaker, who's been U.S. attorney for so many years, was working as chief of staff for the attorney general that had experience in this, and they kicked up a stink they were even asking the supreme court to intervene they were like uh, insane but comey comes in with only with under two years experience at the southern district of new york as a u.s attorney and boom he's acting attorney general and boom what does he do here's where we see repeat habits so uh patrick fitzgerald who's a u.s attorney Comey nominated him as, guess what? A special counsel to investigate Bush's White House. Can you see a pattern here? Are you getting this? And remember, when he appointed the special counsel and he decided to appoint the special counsel, he did it after he became acting attorney general and the the White House counsel was going to go to Ashcroft and say, dude, he can't do this. There's like elections coming and he's like, we're going to put a special counsel and you watch your back. So they were going to go see Ashcroft in the hospital. And guess what Comey did? As acting attorney general saying, I am putting a special counsel. You could say whatever you want. You could hold your breath till you're blue. I'm doing it. And they were like, no, we're going to go see Ashcroft. And so at that point, Comey calls Mueller, who was planning this whole special counsel with him and says, dude, we got to run and go to the hospital and like totally sort this out and tell Ashcroft that he better side with us or else and blah, zitty, blah, zitty, blah, because we need to know who, whether a crime was committed in the naming of Miss Plame. Well, how is it a crime? 
Uh, is it a crime because she was uh, unmasked? Can't be really a crime if it was a slip of the tongue, right? Can't be really a crime. Her methods weren't exposed. It was just her name. I mean, if you expose the methods, and I am now exposing the methods of how they penetrate our government, this fourth unelected branch. So here we have dirty, hairy cop Mueller, who has experience on framing people. Remember what he did in Boston, right? Remember that he, at the time in 2003, was being reprimanded for using ex parte subpoenas and national security letters like they were, you know, invitations to birthday parties. And he was totally abusing his power. Because why were they using these national security letters and ex parte subpoenas? Because they needed to whittle out the people they needed to take over the executive branch and have full control. And this was the plan. So Comey and him run to Ashcroft together and they're like, yo, and he got his way. And so the special counsel was appointed by Comey and that is exactly how it went in. And then the grand jury is summoning, you know, the Time Magazine people, all the journalists, and then, you know, um, they find them in contempt of court. Like the New York Times reporter, Judith Miller, I remember like she was trying to fight the subpoena and everything and they went to jail. Uh, they were held in contempt and went into jail until someone, you know, um, Miller went to jail because she wouldn't tell anyone who her source was. And you know, the source was never Scooter Libby. It was always clandestine Comey. The guy that walked into the New York Times office, clandestine Comey. And they pinned it on Scooter Libby because he was easier to deal with. Because they needed Bush to be controlled. And this is why he was reelected. You know, this is how it works. This is how it works. Now that you understand how things work, you may maintain your presidency. You don't listen to British intelligence. You do what we tell you. If the Brits are telling you that Iran is giving uranium to Iraq and that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, don't listen to them. You listen to us. Bush really pissed them off because he was working with our allies. Right, Comey? totally sucks that you're such a loser so that is exactly what happened so they took over the bush administration and then all these people went away and said and they testified that you know uh, all this information led back to to um scooter libby and here's the thing uh the actual person what was it um i'm trying to remember uh it was in 2004, wasn't it? I, I think it was in 2004 when all this stuff... No, 2005. So uh, the presidential aide, Carl Rove, testified that um, he learned the identity of her being in the CIA from journalists, right? And then he had a discussion, uh, you know, without using Plame's name with Cooper, right? So the aide was, you know, kind of going back and forth. Now, Carl Rove uh, agreed to testify again, um, but they couldn't guarantee him like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be indicted. So he was like, well, should I go? Should I not? You know, blah, 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 blah. And then Miller, when she was released after she um, 
she completes her grand jury testimony and she said that the conversation with was with Scooter Libby. She wrote an article in the New York Times saying she doesn't recall who told her Plame's name, even though she testified that it was Scooter Libby, which is super weird. Compliance much, right? Are you getting it? So then the AP... Um, just in general, the mainstream media was all over this and they were uh, having a total field day because uh, they found out that Carl Rove, that aide, also said, even though he had originally said he found out from the journalists and um, he then said, oh, Scooter Libby did it. So that was totally wild news. Everything went crazy. And then the special counsel met with the grand jury and for two years, um, you know, he tidied up the investigation and then Roe found out that even though he, uh, leaked the name of Plame to the journalists, he wasn't going to be indicted. He's the one that did the leak, but he's not going to be indicted instead Scooter Libby, right, who supposedly uh, gave this information because he was uh, Cheney's top aide, right? He was found guilty about his role into the leak of her name. And the thing is, it's like he never gave it to any reporters. You know, uh, you know, he said he he said in his testimony, well, you know, uh, I think I learned of it from an NBC correspondent, you know, or uh, the New York Times. Like he didn't remember. So apparently in conversation, uh, you know, these other uh, the the New York Times reporter is saying that Libby told her and Libby's like, no, I didn't. And it's like her word against his word. And you know how special prosecutors are. They're like, yeah. But the thing that killed him was Carl Rove, because the thing is, he probably mentioned it, you know, at the White House being a presidential aide that she was a CIA agent. I mean, they all had clearance and they all know that you don't talk to reporters. So Carl Rove actually told reporters and he admitted to it. He didn't get in trouble, but Scooter Libby did. So it was pretty insane, right? And this is how corruption ensues. They had then taken control of the White House and it was done. And Comey's job was done in 2005 and he left. He left. He was done. His assignment was completed. Now he had to go and build the foundations for the next time he would be needed. Okay. And that's how they recycle and move because now he's been deputy attorney general. He was also acting attorney general. And then he leaves and goes and plays with weapons of mass destruction, with energy markets, you know, uh, hangs out in the Middle East more, um, works with people like Brennan, who was then in the public, in the private sector too. And they're all in Luxembourg. They're all doing business. And it's Lockheed Martin and all these federal contracts and everything's just going great. And suddenly, you know, Mueller is FBI director and uh, Obama's like, yo, your 10 years are up. Well, I'm going to tell them that I don't like that law and I'm going to keep you on until I find your replacement. And, you know, that's the way it's going to be. So Obama, with total disregard to the laws of our country that says only 10 years for each FBI director, 
tells them, no, you're going to confirm him to be for an extra couple of years for the sake of continuity. The reason was is because everything wasn't in place yet. Comey was still busy doing what he needed to do. I mean, Brennan had already come back at the time, right? But he was still busy fixing loose ends. He had other assignments to do, put things in place because we had to make sure our five allies are totally on board. So then in 2013, you know, after having done over 12 years as FBI director, what does Mueller do? He passes the torch on to his buddy Comey, who was the acting attorney general when they took over the executive branch back in the day together. This is how the deep state operates. Okay, and this is how they penetrate every facet. And this tells you why they were so, um, so cocky about it and so didn't care about protocol and so um, able to obfuscate and obstruct justice. They obstructed justice by not taking down notes. They obstructed justice by not executing the rule of law. And they obstructed justice by ensuring and... Uh, that information, uh, inflammatory information, was pushed to their extensive circles. Because what people need to find out, mm, I need to rephrase that. What you need to understand is that the people in mainstream media, just like I demonstrated to you how Comey was trained and then put in place. Schiff was also trained and then put in place. He worked as a U.S. attorney and he had this huge case on Russia and he took a second stab at it. It, it, it was as if it was a freebie, you know, kind of like... um a puzzle and you already know how to put the puzzle together really quick because you've done it before. Yeah. They gave him that case and then suddenly he becomes state legislator and then he walks into, you know, uh, the Hill. So this is, this is how they operate when they penetrate, uh, facets of our federal government. When I tell you there's a fourth unelected branch of government, I mean it. When people hear deep state, they just think, oh, these are just mobsters and they kill each other and they like drugs, sex, children, pedophilia, all this stuff. Yeah, it happens, but they're also in control. This is how you maintain control of the White House because when it was passed over from Clinton to Bush, like I said, Bush was thick as a brick. The guy was so sweet. I mean, you can't, like, anytime I'd see him, you know, uh, you know, you could see that when people were talking to him is he was just like giving you that blank stare of, you know, that your dog would give you like, yeah, I guess you're saying something. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. That's the look he had. And they needed to take it back because he was reliant on cooperation and we had not brought our five, I allies into play yet that hadn't happened that was the plan with 9-11 9-11 happened and then suddenly everyone forfeits their right to privacy and the idea of the five eyes is born and how to do that you need to get the white house on board we can't have the white house sitting there and relying on other people's intelligence we need to have control of that too you listen to us how dare you listen to them? We'll show you who's in control. This is the way it works. So this is exactly who these people are. I mean, it was exposed. I exposed it that Strzok was a CIA agent. He was on both sides. And that's what I'm trying to say. I mean, you could be a CIA agent. You can be a covert asset, you know, working at Burger King. You could be a covert asset working at a police department. 
fire department, school. They train you and slot you to where you need to be. So like, let's pretend that they have you trained as a teacher. The reason you're there is probably to monitor, not for the CIA, I'm talking other contracting, more more good agencies. If you're a covert agent for a good agency, like you know, that has a lot of contractors, they might train you to be a teacher because they want you to monitor an area that has a high frequency of child uh, trafficking or pedophilia. And you being a teacher can keep your eyes out, you know, kind of thing. You get it? So they slot them in. The CIA, on the other hand, their only purpose is not to penetrate areas like McDonald's schools, monitor for the safety of the people, etc. It's done to penetrate and take control of the government, It's done to ensure that they have hold of the government. This is their job. This is why I say the creation of the CIA was the biggest atrocity against our free nation ever. And Eisenhower tried to remedy that with the creation of the NRO. And this is why the NRO was never declassified, but because Clinton was so upset that he had no control over the NRO, he declassified the agency. The agent, the intelligence agency that has the biggest budget and that has absolutely zero employees. It's almost 99.99% of the employees are all contractors and off the books. So Clinton didn't like that. I mean, Bill Clinton was like making money off of this privatization of prisons and super predators and Hillary wanted to push her Hillary care, right? So he declassified it. And then later on, in 2001, because of 9-11, they said anyone hired from here on out at the NRO will have to be listed. And they knew it was coming from Clinton because he had proposed it. And he just reinsured and said, hey, George, maybe you want to take a look look at this now that 9-11 happened. Maybe you need to revisit what I tried. NRO, bust up. It recruited like crazy to ensure that it had the good guys on the side because this was actions of the CIA. So after this break, we're going to talk about what we should be expecting to come out of this because the president has been hinting us, has been telling, he knows everything. He knows everything. And Comey, you're going to go down publicly, which kind of sucks, even though you should be going through a military tribunal considering your actual M.O.S. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone 
and call right now. 855 700 2978 Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'm getting some texts. <laughs> that yesterday's show is playing and I'm kind of just talking to dead air that's being recorded. Huh. That's pretty interesting. So I'm going to be uploading this, even though I didn't upload my previous two shows, I'll upload this really quickly so people can take a listen to it. Um, so what I recap for you is for you guys to understand that the immense attack that we are undergoing right now is all part of this fourth unelected branch that was created back in the days of yore uh, when the CIA was created in the 40s. So this is not something new. And you have to understand that the mainstream media also has a covert and clandestine assets that have all been through the same camps, that have all been through the same training. I mean, you wouldn't say that they've been through the training for groundwork. They're more owned and um, are to be executing orders as given. So you need to have more open eyes and see what's going on. Because when you're seeing news that just don't make sense, you have to ask yourself why. Why are they saying things like this when we all know it makes absolutely zero sense? Well, you're told and taught how to deflect. You're taught how to manipulate uh, mass emotions, how to uh, give that message. And people like Adam Schiff, the talk from a position of Democrat authority or whatever, 
just take that statement that he made this morning where he's trying to say because a shake preferred to stay at a Trump hotel and just so happened to want to prop himself up to become president of Iraq, that that constitutes, you know, bribery. Like, come on, man, seriously. It's not the fact that this shake has solid gold toilets and wants to be in a hotel that offers him luxury. It's not that the sheikh probably booked that room and said, I only want that room. Book it for this block date, you know, for these block dates. Like I said, these these guys, they book them a year. They'll, they'll have a room for a whole year. That's how they operate. So what is Adam Schiff doing? He's using the tools that he's been taught. He's part of this fourth unelected branch of government. Take it back a notch. Let's let's talk about Pelosi. Back in the day, and I wrote an article about it, and it's on ToriSays.com. Just like go to the search part and put Pelosi. She was caught using her position in Washington to have dibs on v- the Visa IPO. Right. And she got like a bunch of stock. This is why today she is the largest individual that's not like a company or a stock portfolio. Right. That's what we mean. When we say individual, we mean person, not stock portfolio or bank or institutional block hedge or whatever. So she's the only individual that has a massive amount of stock in Visa. And here's the deal. When she got caught doing it, they all were like, ah, up in arms. And suddenly they're like, we're going to make the stop act. So people in Congress and people in the Senate, they can't make money off of this and they can't use their positions to know when, when companies are going to be IPOs and become rich. Guess what? They did the stop act, but it doesn't apply to any of them. Like literally doesn't apply to any of them, but who told the public that it does? Because how many people are going to sit down and actually read the law? How many people are actually going to sit and read what is being said? Kind of like, uh, what's that? What was her name? I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Um, Let me find her name. I actually asked... Sarah Sanders to revoke her press credentials for what she did. And this is how you know how they operate. She, let's see, come on, let's pull her name. She works for NBC. And she tweeted out how President Trump made the D-Day thing late because she saw him hanging out with, uh, with Ingram. And that it was all his fault. And that just brought the internet to a frenzy. And it was like, oh my gosh, how horrible. Trump made them all late. You're so disgusting. This, that, that. It turned out that it wasn't President Trump that was late or anything. There wasn't something like that. But in essence, it was Macron arriving late. And so when that news broke, all she did was retweet her tweet saying that it was President Trump's fault and then add a link. Like how many people are actually going to click on the link? Think about it. How many people are going to click on the link to... see that what she had said was false. 
not much, right? And that is how they operate. And I'm still getting notice. If anyone's listening that they're on Twitter now, DM me. Someone's telling me that my show is playing yesterday's show in the second hour here where I broke down Comey, which is really weird. Okay, so the reporter's name is Haley Jackson, um, which is pretty interesting. I wonder why I'm not on air. Am I not on air? They cut me off. Did they cut me off? Okay. It doesn't matter. I'm going to upload it. Okay. So guys, where were we? So assets. So right now, obviously James Comey should actually be put on military tribunals considering his real job and his real position. But you know, he hasn't been unmasked. I mean, how many people are going to listen to me? I know how many listen. It's about half a million. But regardless, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not Don Lemon or Jake Tapper. I'm Tory. The bottom line is these people need to be held accountable. And, you know, I think that the biggest thing that our president can do, honestly, and, and I and I say this with the most outmost sincerity is just dismantle the CIA. We don't need it. Dismantle it, take apart all their employees, take a list of all their clandestine agents and terminate them. And not like terminate, like kill them, like terminate their contracts. You are no longer working for the government in any shape or form. That is what I would do. I mean, I'm not President Trump. He's way smarter than me. He's been around the block many more years than I have, and he's seen a lot more things than I have. I don't have his eyes nor his point of view. So it's important for us to kind of understand that it would be difficult for us to unmask but I just did I mean it's there it's evident Comey is a clandestine agent he left he was assigned to go and take over the Bush administration White House right after 9-11 he was slotted in for his assignment he had to get his training so they slotted it in to do just under two years as a lawyer for the Southern District of New York and suddenly he's qualified to be acting Attorney General of the United States working hand in hand with Mueller to take down the control from the Bush administration and take it back to the fourth branch that's unelected, the fourth unelected branch of government so that they can begin their operations. Because post 9-11, this was their pass. This was the opportunity and they needed to seize it, which is to document, to track, to um, violate privacy. And we forfeited that right in the name of fear and to create the Five Eyes Partnership. Now, there was a partnership beforehand where we would talk about intelligence, you know, where phones and whatnot, telegrams, oh, we found this out and that out kind of sharing. But there wasn't like a one computer system that everyone could log on to and get stuff, right? Where everything on that computer system is fair game for anyone that was part of that computer network, right? That didn't exist, That was actually why they needed control of the White House because they needed to fix that. And the reason they intervened so aggressively in the Bush administration, targeting Scooter Libby, you know, who didn't do anything 
The actual guy that leaked it to the journalist wasn't even charged, but Scooter Libby was, who was talking about a CIA clandestine operative, maybe, within the White House. So the the presidential aide leaks it to the press, and then the guy that was talking about it in the White House, which is supposed to be confidential anyway, had maybe said it. And now suddenly he was the one. And then the reporter from the New York Times, you know, went to the grand jury and said it was Scooter Libby. But then she wrote an article saying, I don't remember who told me. Come on, guys. You're not dumb. They think you're dumb. But what they do think is that you can't remember to put things, you know, one after the other to understand how how they're working. This is their method. They penetrate every facet of our government operations. All federal agencies from law enforcement to Department of Energy, Treasury, like I said. And they have full control of everything. There is always a mole everywhere. There's a general that's a flip. And the only thing for people to be able to see, uh, you know, if someone they suspect like if I was President Trump and I suspected I don't know man I kind of think like that person might be like a plant how do you find out well you see where he has a gap a gap right out of high school uh, a, a gap right out of college and then see that gap and see the first job he gets within a government agency and then once he gets that first job in the government agency see how fast he gets promoted that's the cue it's kind of like, um, think of nepotism. There we go. Anyone that's a clandestine agent will have a job faster than anyone else. Think about it. How many U.S. attorneys get a job at the Southern District of New York, work there for, what, you work there for 22 months, and then become acting attorney general of the United States and appoint a special counsel and then get a guy prosecuted and then they leave and they work with Brennan and other assets in a private capacity. Brennan comes back. Comey's not done yet setting up five eyes in Europe. He's not done yet sourcing out the materials. He's not done yet with Lockheed Martin creating the technology. He's not done yet. So what is the president at the time? Obama do extend the tenure of that FBI director before he passes the torch to his friend to continue the process. This was the continuity plan. Comey knew he could take over the White House because he did it before. But the thing is, there were a lot more people watching that were not CIA and were just a lot smarter. And he lost And I'm really hoping that anyone out there right now that is working or in the orbit of my president, see something, say something. Say something. Because this is just going to be a repetitive situation because this is how you ultimately slave, enslave people. Because at first they voluntarily forfeit rights. And then you take them by force, right? Totally by force. At that point, you will have a revolution and probably a bloody one. But the revolution they knew was going to come because it's happened before in the past through empires. You learn through history. This revolution, the way they were going to tame people was the test that they were doing in Flint, Michigan. Remember when I talked about Flint, Michigan? 
Remember, I just want, you know, without getting too much into it, I want you guys to see how Flint, Michigan was a planned thing. And there's articles about it that just circulated a couple days ago. I also got, want to draw your attention to um, Nadler. Nadler was also part of these shenanigans. Uh, but Harry Reid is who you want to really focus on. I talked about him. You know, who knows? Maybe he went to Camp Peary too. Take a listen to what Nadler had to say on impeachment. Just pay attention. We're investigating all the things we would investigate, frankly, in an impeachment inquiry. Um, we are starting uh, with, uh, uh, with, with the Mueller report, uh, which shows, I think it shows, ample evidence of multiple uh, uh, crimes of, uh, of obstruction of justice and abuse of power. Uh, and we will have uh, the testimony about that. It may very well come to a formal impeachment inquiry. Uh, we will see. Excellent. So as you hear, um, Nadler is already pushing for impeachment. They're going to be discussing it because they want to survey and canvas it, right? Uh, and it makes you wonder, why impeachment? Because the Mueller report came up with zero. They needed something um, from the Mueller report in order to proceed, and it's not to remove the president. You guys have to understand that. Yeah, okay, they don't want President Trump in there because they're just pissed off because he used to rub elbows with them. And what they're realizing now is that he was learning. He was observing and he was recruiting. And they're getting that now. And so they're angry because the ultimate goal was never to remove him but to control him. And this was the way that they were going to control him. Flynn could not be his national security advisor because remember Flynn was, was forced retired. Remember that Flynn knew exactly what was going on and they forced retired him. Admiral Rogers, the gen so many people know exactly what's going on. What I'm telling you, they already know. They're like, okay, old news on their wavelength. So many people know, but if they speak or if they make notion that they knew, that was it for them. Their careers were over. And not only that, the good guys that President Trump may have had around him, were removed because they manufactured information to make it look like they weren't the good guys. Imagine our president, how hard it is for him to not know who to trust. And he's put a lot of homework into this, right? We've got 30 years of homework, 30 years of observation, 30 years of subtle recruitment. Imagine just how upset he is with the whole situation. I mean, now the kinks are pulling through because there were some solid choices and some solid people. He wants to fix it. He wants to break these chains, not just here, but chains off other countries. North Korea, hostage. 
They're hostage. Venezuela, hostage. Iran, hostage. And it's not that they're hostage to their own nations. Remember that. They're hostage to the new order that they're referring to. The new order is the one that is holding them hostage, ergo forcing their leaders to implement the policies they implement and act the way they act because they're supposed to be producing or doing as they say. Okay, I wanted to talk about something that came out in the news today about John Kerry. I think it was yesterday where Russia made it clear, uh, shifting gears here, Russia made it clear that John Kerry was okay with them annexing Crimea. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't think Russia took over Crimea, okay? This is the new order narrative. Here's the deal. The Ukraine and Crimea, after the USSR, you know, broke off and they became independent or whatever, right? Uh, They were one of the largest pockets of natural gas. Massive amounts. Crimea, more than the Ukraine. And so what happened was the European Union started creating agreements with these countries. And at the moment, as we speak, the Ukraine has so much debt that Germany owns the Ukraine 10 times over. All their natural gas is now owned by Germany. And all their banking system and financials and gold and whatever they had is owned by Societe Generale which is a French-based bank that has purchased out a lot of other little banks that is becoming a huge giant. So this is how they operate. Crimea actually had a referendum, and I was present during this referendum. And I can tell you that that referendum was at a a staggering like 90-plus percent that they did not want to go with Europe, and they wanted to maintain relations with Russia. And keep them like we keep Puerto Rico, you know, kind of like that. Yeah, they're part of the United States and they get rights like the United States, but it's Puerto Rico. Do you see what I'm trying to say? That's the way Crimea is to um, the Ukraine, just to make it easier. It's not really exactly like that, but just to make it easier. So um, why am I telling you this? Because... When this deal went down, we had clandestine agents working on it, Um, which are inserted in different areas and places. John Kerry is very knowledgeable about that because he was also a trainee. I encourage a lot of people to look at high school photos of these people because like Joe Biden and John Kerry and Schiff, you'll see that they all cross paths either in college or high school, that they ran in the same circles and that they're like posing in pictures together. Um, and that's because they're targeted from a young age. So when the U.S. government wants to hire someone as a clandestine asset, I mean, I know a lot of people apply in they're like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a spy or whatnot. They actually come for you. 
They know exactly who they need. They need someone who has shown adaptability, someone that has a, a pretty good IQ, uh, someone that has uh, the ability to articulate things. And sometimes it has to do with your bloodline, who you're related to, who you work with, what school you go to, who vouches for you. But the majority of the time, uh, the CIA actually reaches out to find people. Uh, the same thing goes for the NRO. It's not like you can apply for the NRO. You're a contractor. So they put jobs out and you don't know who's really hiring. Um, and maybe you could do a project. But most of the time, the contractors that are permanently on retainer with the NRO are people that they sourced out and hired. People that they've um, followed throughout the plan. And now... The last thing I want to say before we break for this weekend, and I want you guys to sit with this, is that, you know, when you cross an agency like the CIA, okay, because this has happened before, and we'll bring up those examples because there are a few examples in the past where we've seen it showcased and we're like, well, why did that happen? How did that happen? Um, they ensure to have insurance policies planted to taint you. Also, if you're working for another agency and they get whiff that you're investigating them, the same thing goes for that. So if, what I'm trying to say is, is that the fourth branch of the unelected government is literally headquartered within the CIA. They unfortunately are not the good guys. I mean, for show, you have a couple of people, you know, kind of like a company that's a shell company. It'll have like a juice bar in it and a couple people in cubicles. But the people that actually run the show, you don't see, right? Uh, the real agents, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe some of them, the paper pushers, the admin people might see them. But you don't really see them because you're not supposed to. That's, that's the whole idea. Kind of how Peter Strzok, his dad was CIA. He was the one that overthrew the government that was in Iran and placed the regime that's in there and followed it through. He did it. His son suddenly out of nowhere goes to high school, whatever, and he's CIA and then he ends up in the FBI counterintelligence. So sneaky, so disgusting that you could see just how perverted and aggressive and how cocky he was when he was being questioned, right? You saw that. So this guy worked as counterintelligence for the FBI when all along he was always CIA. It's the same thing with Comey. You don't go from zero to being a U.S. attorney at the Southern District of New York, which, by the way, his daughter's there now, okay? And you work as a U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York for like 22 months and suddenly become acting attorney general of the United States. That does not happen. And that was an argument that the Democrats made about Whitaker, that he didn't have experience to be acting attorney general, when collectively he had way more years and much more experience than Comey ever did, but no one complained then because it was planned. So what we need to understand is if they have a plan, we have a plan. And this is why the president can talk about things seven months ago. This is why my crystal ball is so accurate because plans are very easy to see once you stand on the moon and look down, right? 
On that note, I wish you guys a wonderful weekend. We will be back on Monday because we're going to be expecting a crazy week, especially with these stupid impeachment attempts. From all of us here at Red State, God bless and have a great evening. Thank you.